Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
Hey, hey, hey. Uh, thanks, everybody, for being here. I'm going to unmute Brian real quick. Hey, Brian, you there, brother? Yeah, what's up, brother? Well, when I got on, um, it was it was saying that it had been recorded, recording for 11 hours or something, but it also says that there was a recording that was started and hung up on maybe within the last 10 minutes. Huh. So I don't know All if right. I need to to shut it down. I mean, you know a lot more about this talk shoe stuff than I do. All right. Um, what's it showing now? Is it showing that it's recording? Yeah, it's showing uh, the live streaming audio and, of course, recording for the past minute. So it's probably it's probably okay. Yeah. If see, here's the thing. If um, it's already been recording for a few hours or something. After this is done, after it finishes rendering, you can go back and if there is an initial recording, you can delete that and just leave this one. You know what I mean? Yeah, it'll show well, like it'll show it'll be shown like being in two parts, and you can delete one of those parts if it's blank. Okay. Yeah, that'll happen. Yeah, I might be You'll, calling you if there's a problem like that. Yeah, you'll see that after tonight's call is done and it, and this one's finished rendering, then you'll be able to see if there's a two-part recording that's been posted. And it's easy to get rid of the first one if you want. And uh, it's also all in how you've got your recording set up initially. Uh, if you have it set up to where it automatically starts recording when you come on, or if you yourself have to manually start the recording. I like using the setting where I manually start the recording. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just don't know that much about it. <clears throat> um, so, I mean, I just have it set up to where whenever somebody calls in, that's what starts it. In fact, I got to wait for somebody to call in just to get on because until the show goes live, like, I can't even click onto it from my computer. Right. Okay, what you want to do is you want to go into your settings, and <clears throat> you're, you're just going to go to your talk screw. Talk to screen. Uh, hey, hey, hey brother. <laughs> I, I'll give you a call sometime All off right. the air and, and it, we can talk about it. I, yeah, I was kind of wanting to talk with you about that anyways. Um, and I appreciate you coming out tonight. And I'm going to try and make it to your call this Sunday. I'm, I'm mm -hmm. sorry I haven't been out there since uh, you had Sean and I on. I'm just uh, crazy. Yeah, it's no big deal. I was actually able to get on tonight. Uh, because I've been off work again. They closed us back down for a few days. So I was able actually to jump on this evening. So anyway. Well, cool. Well, it's awesome to uh, to have you out here. So you're, you're not normally, like, I guess you're normally working on Wednesday evenings? Yeah, normally I'm working. And I, I worked for the last two weeks, and then something happened, and they shut us back down for a few days. But I'm going back to work tomorrow. Okay. All right. Well, cool. Well, glad to have you out here tonight. I know um, Sean, and I don't see Sean on here yet, but he was he was wanting to talk this evening. He had some things kind of lined up to talk about. Um, yeah, of course, everybody's probably heard about the shooting in Atlanta. 
Yeah, I, I watched actually the, I think it was the Attorney General or the State Attorney today read off the charges on those two officers. And yeah, that, that's the, yeah, that's the District Attorney for, um, for the city of Atlanta. And I mean, I, he can charge them, but I, I don't see any way he's going to get a conviction on that. Well, here's the thing, and I don't know if you mind me bringing it up, but I mean, it's a situation with the uh, George Floyd case. They raised that to a second-degree felony. Uh, this, all they said today was it's a uh, murder felony charge. And, you know, when you make the regiment so difficult to try somebody, the chances of them getting off are very, very good because what they're going to have to do in these situations is they have to prove intent. They got to prove Ansaria, all right? Yeah, I, he I, I went think there with the idea. Yep. Yeah, I think what they're going to have an impossible goal of is is trying to prove intent with the murder. So I I don't think that they're going to be able to prove intent with the murder. Um, so and it's it's not that you know I mean personally I think that. They probably should have just let him run away because they knew who he was. They could have gone and gotten a warrant for his arrest. He, he was obviously intoxicated. I'm sure when he sobered up, he would have either turned himself in, he would have gotten caught with a warrant out, or he would have skipped town. You know? Well, I think so, if he hadn't but, grabbed the taser, if he hadn't stolen the cop's taser, things might have been different. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. I mean, you know, it's it's one of those situations where you look at what's going on and, you know, personally, I would hate to be the judge of a situation like that because, you know, I, I don't necessarily look at, at what he did as necessarily wrong. It's definitely tragic. Um, if there's anything wrong about that situation, I think it's police training because the officer basically reacted the way they train officers to react and here is shaman so he can he can talk about it and then i can argue with them <laughs> what am i talking about that we're going to fight about that i don't know about yet oh I, I was just telling brian like um you know because the call was recording so i unmuted him and i was just talking with him about the atlanta thing and how you're going to talk about that this evening. I was just going over kind of some of my thoughts and saying that the officer got charged, but I don't think there's any way there's going to be a conviction. Brian was kind of agreeing. Um, so, so you have the floor, buddy. <laughs> what? I, uh, sorry, man. My wife's talking to me. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's an interesting study. I just I just learned about his. Uh, they're wanting to bring all those charges on him, but uh, I think it's kind of a sad situation. But a kind of a textbook example of how two worlds can collide. And I'll try to explain it as good as I can. And I'll look at it from both sides. Like, as a cop, you know, they got calls for this guy that was passed out. And he's blocking traffic. People are trying to get through to get their burgers. So they show up. And 
They ask him to move his car out of the way to finally get him awake. They can tell he's been drinking. They talk to him for a bit. I don't know why it took 40 minutes. That makes no sense to me whatsoever, but they talk to him for quite a while, and then they give him the test, and they go through that whole thing, and that's when they determine that he's drunk or impaired, and they decide that they're going to place him under arrest. Of course, when they go to arrest him, that's when he breaks, then the fight starts, and then he takes the taser, and everybody kind of knows the outcome. And I was just talking to John earlier tonight about, or today, about what a shame it was, like a little education could have probably defused this whole thing from two different angles. From the legal side, I don't really see the cops did anything wrong. Um, They could have other options, but it doesn't kind of go to what I'm trying to convey tonight. The... uh, the fact is, in law, he was in breach of peace when he drove to Wendy's. But once he was passed out, he's technically really not in breach of peace anymore, more of a nuisance. And if the cops understood what being a true peace officer was about, and that technically he hasn't committed a crime, made a horrible decision, an irresponsible decision, or however you want to put it, it is irresponsible to go around driving drunk. Instead of, in the cop's mind, at that moment, okay, when he, when he, you know, of course, this is just my thoughts on this. I don't know exactly what he was thinking. But once you make a determination that somebody's impaired and you know they drove there, it really changes your mindset because the cops face so much liability from within that if they let that guy go and they got him a ride home, that he would not have good judgment and he might get back in the car and go out that night and get in another wreck or get in a wreck, and then they would be liable because they let him go. So in their minds, once they committed to it, they really didn't feel like they had a choice. They really did not see another option at that point. And then apparently he didn't wish to go, and it ended very badly. And he's culpable. I mean, he made some horrible decisions. You don't steal a freaking taser from a cop and then point it at him to shoot him. That's just not the brightest thing to do. But what if the cops understood the whole peace officer versus law enforcement aspect? Okay, they show up. He's passed out behind the wheel. They get him over there. They figure out he's being pretty cordial. He's being all right. What if they had it in their arsenal that they could get him a ride home at that point? That they didn't feel like they had to be liable. Um, which is probably what a driving force for that was. So, And plus they had all those eyes on them, all those cameras, all the calls that came in from it. I mean, they probably felt a little pressed to do it. But again, it's just like I did that little video last week, and I know John's done some like it. If the cops knew the law, if the man knew the law, understood right, that could have ended very differently in, in so much that maybe that man would have respected my my family's rights or the families of other people's there or John's kid or any number of people's rights not to be hit by a drunk driver and maybe he would have respected that decision through his education and he wouldn't have been drunk driving to begin with and none of this would have happened um it's real easy to point the point the finger at this guy but this just the shows how is, uh, the car the car acted in the manner of a man well, no, that's our problem. You have this clash. You're having this clash, see. 
So because neither one of them are totally informed, right, they're not knowledgeable on things, bad First things First time happen. I walked up to the car, man to man, he said, hey, bro, you all right? I mean, you can't be sleeping here. You got to go along. But they weren't there, there as a man. That was it. There was a cop. They were there as a police officer. If, they weren't there as a man. If if it was if it would have been a police officer, he would have acted in the manner of a police officer. Were you not? Right then, hey, you you're under suspicion. I'm searching you, dude. That is you're no, no, no. Detained. That's not how cops act, Chris. Because <laughs> that just gets you fighting everybody you talk to. That's not how you. That's not how you go about law enforcement, man. You treat people with respect. Talk to them. Find out what's going on. Maybe he's a diabetic. Maybe he was in a diaphoretic shock. Maybe he was uh, low blood sugar and. And that's, that's just kind mind. of the way that the first the first viewing of the video that I saw, which was I didn't see the killing aspect. I saw the part where he was sitting in the drive-thru. And when the officer first walked up to him, he was like more concerned. Hey, man, you okay? It's not. He wasn't like he was on on a, on on key to go for a ticket or an arrest or really even well, nobody, bother the guy. No. Yeah, nobody's suggesting that. That that wasn't really the point. The point was people have limited decisions. It's like I told a guy today, it was a black gentleman, and I was like, you know, the cops act this way, and people, you know, they the people believe in this. And I said the problem is everybody's institutionalized. The people believe that they've got to have this institution, and then they believe that they have to give all this power to the institution to use force to make them to do things that they may not want to do. And it's like, think about that for just a second. Like, you're shocked when they force you to do shit you don't want to do? I mean, that's what you've asked for. That's the, hold on, that's the system you've asked for. That's the whole point of my, what I'm trying to say is, it's not this cop's fault. It, it's, when they do wrong, they do wrong, but it's an institutionalized mindset. Like, it's the whole country's fault. I agree because with people that have asked for this saying. government to be over them, and as long as they're I agree doing with that, that. I, I do. I agree with that one hundred percent. I think that the officer did the best that he could do in the situation that he was in when he first walked up to the vehicle. I mean, he was literally trying to be a, 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 man, a man of peace. He was like, "Hey, you know, you can't just pass out here in the drive-through. You know, you got to keep on moving." And, <laughs> Hey, hey man, I, I think your name's Chris, but hey, Chris, uh, Sean was trying to explain how he viewed the whole thing, so why don't you let him explain how he viewed the thing, you know, let him get through it, and then you can ask him questions or challenge him on it or, or whatever. Okay. I mean, I agree. That, yeah. I agree with what was being said, that I don't, I don't feel the police officer was really at fault. Well, it's ever, that's the point. You got that staticky thing going, Chris. Um, that's kind of the point. Is the problem has been created because of an incorrect view of what government's job is by everyone, and it limits your choices. It's like if you put a cop out on the street and all he had was a gun. It's like you know, if you give somebody a hammer, everything's a nail. And that's kind of what's been going on. You know, the the arsenal doesn't come from how to utilize force more effectively. That's that's not the answer. 
knowledge is the answer. So if the dude who was drunk who got shot and died, I mean, getting drunk and driving to Wendy's and getting a burger was worth dying for. He never thought about that. Either he could die or somebody else could die. That's a very, very bad decision. Um, irresponsible, and to me it's a breach of peace. Now, the cops don't understand what a true breach of peace is, so they're looking at it from a legalistic standpoint. They're coming at it from a code standpoint. And as far as I'm concerned, within their parameters, unless there's something that I don't know or haven't seen on the videos, based on what I've seen, it's a righteous shooting. I mean, it's just, you can't, it's really easy for everybody to go, oh, he could have done this, or he could have shot him in the leg, or he could have just, you know. That's not your SOP, then that's not your SOP. You know, you've already got a guy who made a bad decision to drink and drive from their perspective. Now he's just resisted arrest. Now he's assaulted a cop. Now he's stole a weapon. No, you don't let that guy go. He's a freaking animal. Explain what happens in those – you've been in that situation, so explain from your angle to the people what happens to to you in those cases when when a a resist against or a threat against your life comes with a uniform on. I mean, I I can if people want me to, but that's not really the angle I'm going at. The angle I'm trying to say is education. The fact is if a man knows his rights and the cops know their rights, People tend to like respect other people's rights more because they respect themselves more. It's more it's more about learning how to truly respect the gift of life and what you've got. And then how do you apply that to others, which is kind of the golden rule, right? Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. And then other decisions could be made. Okay, the guy's off the road. What's what's the purpose of the code? The code is you can't be drunk and drive. Well, why is that? Well, because you could you could destroy somebody's life property. Okay, that's a sensible kind of way of thinking about it. So the, that's how the code reads. What's the spirit of the code? Do no harm. That's what that is. So you've got a guy out here who obviously doesn't care about his neighbors because he's out here putting himself and others at harm, at the risk of harm. Now, technically, he hasn't committed a crime yet. He hasn't caused harm or, or loss. But I think it's a little bit of a gray area, but I think the gray area kind of comes into view when, okay, in the spirit of the law, the points to get him off the road, he's off the road. So we get him home. Okay, well, then remove the liability on the officer in case he sneaks back out. Now, you know what's going to happen. These same lawyers that are screaming, oh, the cops should have let him go. If they'd have let him go and he'd have went and gotten a truck, come out and killed somebody, they'd have been bitching that he didn't do his job. And I can tell you that from firsthand experience. You ch- not that I ever had anybody sneak out and kill somebody. I'm just saying you try to give people a break, and then they go screw off or do something else, and, you know, you get mud on your face or you get liable or you get your ass jerked into court. So it's, you know, until you've walked a mile in a, man, um, a cop's foot, foot, footprint, man, don't judge them so harshly. I mean, if you've ever been in a situation where you're fighting somebody that's throwing two people around, and that's what he was doing, and then he steals the taser and then turns around and fires it so he can incapacitate you. That's that seems like a pretty. I'm going to take that guy pretty serious. I mean, I mean, if it wasn't the cops and it was just if it was just three guys out there and this guy was out there and you know he he turns around and he he aims down. 
you know, and uh, obviously the other people are trying to protect the people around them. One guy's the wrongdoer, the other guys really aren't. One guy's escalating. Anyway, hi guys. Hey man, what's up? Yeah, and I mean, hey. I'm saying, if you wanted to run, that's fine, run. But why? Why are you? Why? Why go that extra? I'm gonna pull this taser on you and fire it at you. And you know, I mean, like people me, are like, "Oh, what's it?" I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say to me, the guy who did. If there's any wrong at all in the cops, I would have to say it was less than two percent. I mean, I just to me that guy, he escalated that whole situation and didn't have to, and it started when and he decided to get in the car and drive. Hey, Sean, in any of your training, have you ever been tased? Have I? Have you ever? Yeah, have you ever taken? I've never taken a taser. Have you? No, I wouldn't, and I never will. Because that shit can kill you. I, I wouldn't do it voluntarily, but I've seen a lot of, like, police, they go through training and they get hit. No, I've seen a yeah, lot of people hit. And once they get hit, they drop what's in their hand and they go to the ground. Now, what happens That's if right. that guy turned around, hit that cop with the taser, ran up and got the gun? There you go. Well, now, you know those tasers you know, that he got? It's a double. Mm-hmm. It's not a singular right. thing. Like, they he can shoot the bomb, cops. but it also, he can run up and tase and just touch it to him. And you're right. It incapacitates him. He's going to get the gun. Yeah, and then it's deadly. Let alone what can happen. The man who's already proving himself to escalate the situation. Yeah, I'm just saying, in that situation, I would have fired. Based on what I I believe, I believe the guy that turned around and pointed the taser would have fired the gun if been in the other position, too. Yes. I, I think it's, yeah. Well, I think he proved that. Yeah, he turned and fired. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, he he kind of he kind of proved that. And the thing is, is I'm you know, I get it. A lot of us are like, whoa, government's out of control. That's true. That is, that is absolutely true. We all know that. Some of us feel pretty strongly about that. But you can't put the guy out there, support the system that puts him out there, and then bitch when he does what you asked him to do. Now, the guy who had the knee in the neck, he should just be taken into a firing squad and have his brains blown out by the family members. So how, did you feel about, how did you feel about the Citizen Ride Along program? Oh, I thought it was good. I didn't like it when people rode with me unless they were close to, my, close to me, but like if they were my friends, I didn't mind, but I thought it was a good program because, you know, you get to kind of see it from another perspective. Very much. No, especially in Atlanta. Atlanta's rough. Why did it matter yeah, if it was your friends? Like, what was the difference between your friends and, like, some kid from high school? Imagine being stuck in a car for 10 to 12 hours with somebody you've never met and has the shittiest personality <laughs> you could imagine. Okay, now it makes sense. <laughs> there you go. We worked 12-hour shifts. They came in at the beginning of the shift, and they didn't have to go home until 7. And I'm telling you right now, they would ride it all the way out, Jack. Because it's adrenaline. I mean, you go from nearly falling asleep driving to fighting for your life within two minutes. I mean, it's it's literally, you never know what's going to happen. And it's just, imagine driving around all night like that. I mean, you get used to it, but every call you go on can end just like that one. It All it takes is a guy to go, I ain't going. 
Well, have you guys ever heard going. of a guy? I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I've heard of a guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, you ever heard of a guy? I was just Jocko Willen. You're going. Then the cop has made it up in his mind. You're going either in the back of the car or in the back of a hearse. Or you have because to kill him. Yeah, I mean, it's like if you say you're not going, and I say you are going, that's an immovable object. <laughs> and a juggernaut. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's like, okay, you're not going, but I say you are. Okay, fight's on. And, okay, like, honestly, though, like, you're walking in the wrong neighborhood and three people come up dressed in all red and say you're going. Are you going to go? Same jurisdiction in my book. Same jurisdiction in my book. I never gave jurisdiction to either of them. Hmm. Well, this, well oh. are we talking about the same thing? Well, no, no, no. There's no catch. Yes 22. and no. Yes and no. Are you talking um, you're about saying because the specific? No, listen. Let me finish. What I'm you talking okay. about the Atlanta issue or a generalization? Well, I'm actually just challenging the saying that you saying that we put them out there to do a job. I put nobody out there to do anything. I'm actually you never have you never multiple, pay taxes or have a driver's license or paid property tax or sales tax for a state none of that. Got a license plate on your car. Willingly. I mean, now that I've figured it out, it's no. Always willing. It's always willing. It's <laughs> but always no, willing. No, 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 no. There's consent through ignorance, and then there's consent, you know, knowledgeably. Uh, most of us don't have consent to the police. Um, acting the way they do and me personally i don't mind if the police mm-hmm. go bye-bye they can go bye-bye because we still have the sheriff they're duly elected and liable i like sheriff i like deputies i don't like police so it's not like we don't have an institution that can already come up and step up and be the proper thing the uh again it goes back to and i agree with you for the most part um some of that mm-hmm. technically a sheriff's not supposed to patrol He's supposed to serve right. papers and run the jail. But, uh, I mean, there is some – the police – here's the unique thing about police, and people can look this up on Manta. They can look it up on other things, manta.com. Police are technically a private security agency for the town, and they only have exclusive jurisdiction on town property. And then they have venue of the incorporated city limits, right? Mm-hmm. And they only have jurisdiction when you violate one of the things that would give them so through your actions or inactions. So if people were there, they, then again, they're called policy enforcers, policy of the town, right? So mm-hmm. again, what if somebody understood that? Then they would understand what the sheriff's true power was and what he was supposed to do. And this is the problem is is uh, education. Well, man. if you have a like honestly, like if you have a problem with police, um, most of the time they just go internally. Like you make your complaint, they go internally. But like uh, to me, that seems improper. You should have an outside third party come in well where would that be who, who do you get issue well i think i think um it being like you said earlier driver's license have you paid taxes are you a citizen um there was on common law shamanism this guy that didn't want to let the cops in his door he kept saying i am a law-abiding tax-paying citizen and this is my residence of course those words are accepting jurisdiction in your book but honestly, what the man was saying is you have no right to be here. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, I agree with that too. Yeah, wouldn't it be? And especially confusing? in that moment, because the cops have no idea what language he's using. Right. Confusing. Thank you. So okay. The point of it was no, no. the point of it wasn't to take a side though. I just want to make that very clear. The point I was making was, do you see when we grow apart and we're dumbed down and the knowledge isn't there and the understanding of why institutions are there to begin with aren't known and understood, this is the kind of stuff it leads to. I mean, the people in the country are being pushed around from one thing to the next. They don't know what to believe, why to believe it, who to run to, what what to do. I've never seen more chaos. And at the same time, it's so orderly, it's unbelievable. So there's this guy, uh, his name is Jocko Willinks, W-I-L-I-N-K-S. I I don't know how to pronounce it. Um, He's an ex-Navy SEAL, and he was on a Joe Rogan, uh, I guess, recently. I caught a little clip from him. And he brings up a huge point. He's like, you know, as a Navy SEAL, we would train 18 months to go on a six-month deployment. Um, Because you're you're out there, you're fighting for your life, everything's crazy. And then uh, cops, they train, you know, three to five hours in hand-to-hand combat like once, you know, or a class here and there. He said, why don't they train one-fifth of the time? Why isn't it one day of the week de-escalation of events, hand-to-hand combat, you know, like all these different things? I I think he made a good point. No, yeah, he's right. He's dead right. It was an interesting perspective, you know. We send people into other countries to do this shit, and we train them 18 months to do a six-month tour, and then we get a, a guy, you know, a career, and he gets a couple weeks and a couple-hour course. Well, well it has to do with a, education. That's... It has to do with education on the other side, too. I mean, even in parenting. You know, I, I saw it on, on, on media tonight. It was blasted out. There was a black man that was talking about how it was sad that, that he, you know, his parents had to sit them down as children and explain how how to deal with law enforcement if they got stopped. Well, I mean, boys and girls, I'm white. The hell, my daddy was a trooper and a deputy and in the military. So I got the same damn conversation. I mean, I will say... The lack of education kind of surprises me. One thing I see a lot in the news, and I've talked with with people who are fairly well-educated and kind of close to me about lately, is, um, you know, police unions and how hard it is to get rid of police officers and what their contracts are and this, that, and the other. And what amazes me is how many people do not understand that um, you, you can't make an unlawful contract. Uh, you know, the government um, can't regulate the obligations of private contracts, but it, the private contract has to stay within the realm of law. You can't write something into a contract that's unlawful. You can't take away somebody's rights from a contract. Um, you know, so it, this whole idea of they can't take any action because they're in a union and they have these um, contracts through the unions and they have certain rights and due process rights because of those contracts to me is absolutely absurd. 
Well, the training, you know, and that's another part of it. Education doesn't just mean on law. Um, you watch, I mean, there's some really, anybody who's ever t- taken any kind of Aikido or any kind of uh, hand-to-hand mixed martial arts or any of that, man, if you're, you know, there's an obligation, isn't there? There used to be height requirements and weight requirements. You know, it's kind of, kind of gotten a little sloppy, and the pay sucks so much that you're literally getting less than, you know, you should be getting perhaps for somebody who has that much power. And a cop has a lot of power, believe it or not. There's a lot of power there. And uh, but you look at them, they're out of, weight, out of shape, a lot of them. They do fire training once or twice a year. They never shoot on their own. They never, you know, it's, it's, it's a mess because they don't take it serious maybe until the oh shit moment happens and then it's like oh all that training you could have done arm locks you could have done this you could have done that i mean you get an mma guy or somebody who's relatively trained to get somebody who's just street you know you're going to have an advantage if you're a street fighter who knows how to do those arm locks and stuff so i mean the training needs to be but we had to go through in-service every year. We did training and stuff, not as much as should. Some departments do it all the time. Some do it hardly ever. It's really just kind of a potluck shoot. I agree with the ability for each man to be able to kick the shit out of each other, you know. But we talk about education, and, and Sean, I have to look at you, you know, what are we talking about as far as education? The languages. I mean, we have to start go somewhere. I think one of the problems is they're um, systemically miseducated. They're systemically told a falsehood. They're not told what they are, what their job is, where the line is. They're told, you know, you're the biggest, baddest, go do so it's 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 a systemic problem in their education. Well, I think it's in the whole society. I mean, you know, it's reinforced by the belief that it's there. You know, it's kind of like, what do you do? You know, the boogeyman's not real, but if you believe he is. I mean, it's so often cops will think that whatever they say goes. And the problem is the people think that too. So I think it's it's an institutional issue again. You know, you're and you're starting to see the cracks in it. And you know, and they're they're brilliant at how they're manipulating all this. I mean, they're hitting. I mean, if anybody's paying attention to posts on Facebook, and there's some really strong hateful rhetoric going on. I mean, people are openly talking about shooting people of color, and you got. People of color saying Whitey started slavery. I mean, it's just the most insane shit for for something that had nothing to do with 99.9% of the people in this country, you know? I don't know. It's, it's a I mean, I, I'm with Sean, and I, I think the problem is, um, you know, the entire system as a whole. I mean, the reason why cops are acting the way that they're acting is because they're given orders to do so, they're trained to do so, and they've gotten away with it for so long. I mean, what happened in Atlanta, nobody would have even batted an eye at a month and a half ago. It just wouldn't have happened. And because you have the 
you know, outrage of people being locked up in their house for a couple of months and then seeing what happened to George Floyd and just having enough and having been oppressed for for years, you know, the officers wouldn't act the way the officers act unless they knew that they could get away with it when they get in front of the judge or if they could get away with it when they get in front of internal investigations, internal affairs, or in front of their superiors. And it's because there has been no accountability for such a long time. And now everybody in America got upset, started burning things down, you know, started having chaos and, and things going wrong and people getting hurt. And now it's like, okay, we're going to flip 180 degrees in the opposite direction and we're going to start holding every cop that does something questionable liable and and the people who talk about getting rid of the police departments i mean go and and watch some of the uh videos where people in north minneapolis neighborhoods of people were getting together with ar-15s and ak-47s and patrolling their streets at night and and tell me if you want to live that way because i don't um, I would if I have to, but that's not something that I, you know, particularly want to do. Uh, so I think defunding the police is, is an awful idea. What I do think is a good idea, and one of the things that I look at as a solution, is actually upholding law. When people go to sue a police officer or to charge them with the crime, they always bring up immunity. They have qualified immunity. Well, immunity, technically, if you go back to the original meaning, means exempt from public service or not performing a public service. So if you have immunity, then stop interacting with the public. Otherwise, you shouldn't have immunity. I'll tell you, not in the language. I'll tell you, I worry about a little bit about some of the directions things are going in. And, you know, I'm not even going to qualify it because I shouldn't have to. The The fact of the matter is, is there's there's bigoted people on both sides of this thing. And there's going to come a breaking point. People are only going to put up with stuff so much. And I'm seeing people who never allude to being against um, black people or any of that starting to make some pretty strong remarks. I mean, a lot of people, including women. And it brought me back to Pastor Manning out of Harlem talking about pushing buttons and I just think it's sad. I was at a customer's house today, and it's a black customer, and her son was there and his wife and everybody, and we were laughing and hugging and carrying on like nothing was going on. It's it's just a shame that people can't just think about it in terms of who cares if Floyd was black or not. He was a man. He was a man, and all the people around him watched him die or helped kill him. And he's still viewed as an entity, as some kind of statue, some kind of propaganda. The guy was a man. I mean, it shouldn't matter his color or any of that. 
I mean, unless he was a pedophile, then I can let that go. I'll say it on the record. But um, it's just it's just sad that we don't look at each other just as value. You have value just because you are. Yeah. Until you prove otherwise. Everybody here was one of 200 million sperm that made it, so that's pretty miraculous. Hey, are you on your headphones? Chris? Yes. And you're you're gonna have to get off your headphones. Yeah, because man, they're like staticky as all get out. What's going on, JD? JD's joining us, everybody. Hey, what's up, everyone? <laughs> Good evening. Good evening. Um, yeah, I agree with what you what? just said, Sean. Yep. Um, What's yeah, the just word sitting heard, here, man? Just sitting here listening, um, listening about the situation and all, and um, yeah, how um, you know, I think there's people that don't want mm, us to come together and see each other as man. They want us to be divided. Yep. You know. They, the ubiquitous they, you know, I it just <clears throat> like what you were just saying about the um, the increasing tension um, about this race thing. I, it's 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 uh, it's being fabricated for the for the great reset. You know, they're talking about this great reset that they want this economic this new economic uh, system and new social system, a new social order, a new, just a lot of new uh, ideas that want to be, they want to be um, pushing through over the next decade. And, um, Sorry. yeah, I think, I think this race thing is, uh, is one of the instigators to try to keep people from seeing that other stuff that they're doing and it's working for sure. So, well, I mean, they, they got it. Do something to keep us, uh, you know, at ends with each other, to keep us from from uniting. I, I mean, one thing that the system does not wish to see is they don't wish to see a bunch of people coming together with one common goal, with one common purpose, and uniting no matter what color they are, no matter what ideology they have. It, you know, they, they don't like to see unity. The only... Uh, unity that they like to see is is um, is, is them being unified against right. us. I mean, because you start thinking about how many people, you know, what percentage of people make up police departments, what percentage of people make up, um, you know, government, what percentage of people sit in the Senate, and, and you know, it's not even the 1% of the 1%. Uh, when you actually think about the people who who are running things and pulling the strings, and Senate comes from Sentinel, you know, like the Senate is actually supposed to be the guardians of the government, uh, just like the Sentinels were the guardians of the town. Mm -hmm. Hey, I'll tell you, I, I do want to say something, and don't anybody freak out because you're going to think I'm going in a different direction than I am, so just give me a second. <clears throat> People say they don't want a police department or they don't care if it goes bye-bye. <clears throat> the problem is <clears throat> you have a society that's ignorant as hell 
and so interdependent upon technology and government that they can't take care of themselves. And then you, you add a lack of knowledge on top of that, and it's an order for chaos of the ultimate magnitude. So why would this even be? I mean, you're telling me that, I mean, think about this logically for a second. You're telling me these people who seek power from the time they're nine years old to be mayors and governors and presidents are just abandoning blocks in their city, allowing people to burn police departments and homes, decimate their community and their businesses, piss everybody off, and you don't think that's on purpose? They have no intention yeah. on defunding the police. They have no intention. To, they, they're not going to do that. But if they took away the police tomorrow, okay, you know what kind of chaos would reign? For, and we take a little bit. Look, it would get worked out. Don't get me, don't get me wrong. It would work <laughs> itself out. There'd be a lot of dead people, but it would work itself out in time. Um, but it would be really bad for a time. And what if that's the plan? Because it'll get so bad that people will be screaming for some kind of order so they can get back to some kind of safe semblance of well, life. You, you, yeah. To be honest, though, it's only going to be in certain places that it would get bad. Like where I live, just north of me, let's, let, let's go like eight miles north of me, that place uh-huh. would be on fire. Where I live, when all this was going down, uh-huh. on the police scanner, dead silence. Nothing going on where we live. Everybody's well, yeah, armed. Everybody was government. sitting in their driveway waiting for it to come. Mm-hmm. Well, no. Like what, I, what I'm trying to say is, like, there's nobody. Okay, there's going to be different places that are going to react differently. Like where you live, it's probably going to be a lot less violent than where I live. So there's going to be a majority of the country, just like when the government shuts down. Just like when the government shuts down, nobody feels it. Like the police would go away and there really would be no feel or need for it. You would still have the sheriff and you would just really get rid of a lot of the policy that was happening. Like I, I, I would you, rather just take one tenth of the funding and give to the police. Hmm? You should know the sheriff here. <laughs> you know, oh, I, I, I heard about, <laughs> yeah, the problem with you guys. Um, I, I, I've, I've met mine around here. And I've met, I've met two job, of the deputies. I like him a lot. What did, he, what did he get demoted to, Sean? What is he? Non, non, something. I can't even remember what his job title that guy got. Well, he's non law. They took away his badge. They took away his badge because the outcry. I mean, he punches a guy in the face on, on body cam, and they put it on the news, and then yeah. they, they try to argue that it's not assault and that he was just having a bad day and this and that because he's the this sheriff's son. Sheriff's son. Well, which then one he is goes it? To <laughs> Eddie Graybill. And then he goes, so he goes, you know, he goes to court and they find him guilty, give him 1129 probation, and then they, he has to do 100 hours of community service. He pleads guilty to simple assault. How are you a police officer after you simple assault? Yes, I know they do it all the time, but they don't do it on where People get to see it all the time. <clears throat> I'm just saying. He, they, they put him. They just all they did, dude, was put him in an unmarked. I mean, they just left him basically on an administrative position. Yeah, like he's he, okay. So you're coasting your last however many years till you retire. No, dude, you punched the guy in the face in the Sally Port on TV. 
I think I think the forefathers were correct that like there's nothing more dangerous than a standing army, and the police the police are nothing more than a standing army in our midst. It's oh, not under our jurisdiction. There's no use for them. We have a system that actually works. Mm-hmm. I don't see the need for them. Well, and nobody's really told either. me the need for them. So when you right say now? they shouldn't go bye-bye, like, okay, not no, tomorrow, not like, get rid of that, all of them. Yes, there you go. That's what I said. I didn't say they shouldn't go bye-bye. That's not what I said. Okay. I said... <laughs> I'm okay, saying I just heard that. I was like, I don't know, man. <laughs> no, if you took them away overnight, it'd be nothing but. Cause you, I, and that's what I'm saying. It would take it a while, but I promise you, law would fish itself. Yeah, but, they're definitely I mean, doing. Gonna, they're definitely ahead. doing the problem, problem, reaction, solution with this thing. This this whole thing is problem, reaction, solution. I mean, what you said, Sean, about the letting the cities do whatever they want right now like that and they don't have a, a plan lined up for it that's you know people are dreaming dude i promise you if they really wanted to get that crowd under control in new york city and la yeah. they would i'm telling you they would get them under control pretty quickly they'd be rolling tanks in there that's what we pay them to do on the contract yeah they definitely I mean, instigated I- allowed it to happen i mean putting putting all letting all those oh, cars yeah. you know all those cars let you know letting them be burned yeah, having all that footage spread out into the minds of the people on the news all the time what this looks like yeah. what these people are doing you know um hey let, yeah. let, let me bring up something real quick while we're on the topic and that is you know seattle Chaz, capitol hill Anonymous zone. Of course, they spell capital. Oh well, I I don't know if they know about that. that being a temple to Jupiter, but um, yeah, I caught that. Capitoline Hill, yeah, uh, yeah. Yep. But this this is the thing that's insane. Okay, so this is happening in Seattle, Washington, and of course, the mayor has you know, and the mayor really quickly backed off, um, basically saying, well, we're going to allow them to exercise their First Amendment um rights you know to protest or whatever and and that's what they're saying and they did that almost immediately and this is the exact same police department that a month ago fired um greg anderson for making that eight minute youtube video about upholding people's constitutional rights you don't think that sounds a little fishy and (laughs) and i'm just gonna i'm just gonna go ahead and and say this right now it's like you know they're allowing people to go in and do these things because even though most of the people on this call have a very uh stable mindset they're self-sufficient you know they're able to work well with others they don't necessarily require government a lot of people in society still do and even if the people in Chaz right now just completely keep their cool, don't have any sanitation problems, you know, uh, allow business to go on as normal, I can almost guarantee you that they will have some type of professional agitators go in there and, and yeah. start something. And and what they're doing is they're setting precedent. And this is why the uh, mayor has refused the National Guard from the governor is because they're going to set some sort of precedent because it's going to get challenged for the constitutionality in the courts at some point. And they're setting some type of precedent to uh, say that, you know, basically in certain circumstances that the National Guard can come in. 
I, that uh, the governor can take I, over. I'd like, I'd like to add something to that, if you don't mind. I think it. Yeah, I think you're right, but I also think there's. A, I think it's even deeper. And do you remember before Trump ever got in, we talked about on the show about how he, they were bringing him in for uh, nationalism to get people, na- you know, rallied around the flag again because they're going to take us to war to, in, with China in the next couple of years. And think about it, even more than the National Guard. What if he federalizes them? He's itching to do it. You can see it in every interview, and he stops himself from saying it and says the governors can use the National Guard. But he can come in and rescue his citizens, and he can put down an insurrection. So I think they're setting it up to where he saves the day, it rekindles nationalism, it heals something, and you can already watch some of that happening with North Korea bombing South Korea's building. It was abandoned, but they blew it up. And my understanding is they told Trump to mind his own business. And now they're having some kind of big meeting with the Secretary of State of the United States and China are having some big meeting to discuss Taiwan, Hong Kong, North Korea. And and then right after that, I saw a commercial from a senator talking about a guy running for Senate. I think it was running for senator. I don't remember. It was senator, I think. Um, talking about how China attacked us with the virus and they're bad and he's with Trump and he's, he's going to go after China. They're just setting the stage, man, in my opinion. I yield the floor. I saw that, ad. I saw that and I thought, holy shit. But, and I think that something like that can only happen if Americans keep fighting each other. You know, because um, America doesn't want to go into another war. They're, they're going to have to be pushed into some type of action on the world stage. And I think that it's going to be something that will be very easy to do if Americans um, keep fighting with one another. You know, a lot of the things that I see going on right now where um, freedom of speech is under attack, where they're attacking um, certain politicians, political ideas, political ideologies, people who are pushing certain um, political ideologies, and then the things that that kind of the mainstream media are are presenting to people, and other things that are going on. It reminds me a lot of Germany in 1934. You know, 35, they started going after the political dissenters before anybody was talking about the Jews. Same with the Bolsheviks, did the same thing. Well, that's what they always do. You have to have some kind of enemy for the face on them, right? I think they're literally just tearing down the institutions, and, and I think you're seeing... I think you're seeing the beginning of the end of what was left of, if you could call it a republic anymore. And I think they're just going to just decimate yeah. state and local governments. I make think them we're look seeing like the shit. end of the end. Yeah. 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 yeah I think this here. is it. Yeah. Here yeah, they're, they're talking about with opening the schools up. They're talking about doing like a, a block schedule, like, 
Monday, Wednesday, Friday, one week they go to school, Tuesday, Thursday they do online courses, the next week they switch. And that's some of the crap that they're talking about proposed. I don't know how in society the normal functioning family in the old system of operations could even could even bear that. I mean, that changes families, single parenting. That changes operations of it. You know what it's going to cause people to become more mm-hmm. and more dependent on the government because they're not going to be able to work mm-hmm. they're going to stay home and teach their damn kids. I mean, they do, they do it. It's like people don't even think about causality. I mean, what's the cause and the effect? Like, what does it lead to? People don't conceptualization of an idea. These people are just, all they're doing is a simple, it's just a checkers game. They move here, you move here. Oh, jumped you. Shit. They're playing checkers, play chess. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, really, I mean, it's just, but, you know, you cannot, you cannot get people rallied together, man. It's like the most amazing thing. And maybe people are more mentally together than I give them credit for. But people are getting pissed, and you know I'm a firm believer that extreme anger and fear without knowledge leads to violence. It, it has to. It has no other well, avenue. I, I think more people are joined in on these ideas than uh, Google or YouTube or any of the controlling mechanisms that we really get our information from would allow anybody to recognize. And I think one of their geniuses is using the internet to keep people divided into certain ideologies and ideological groups. And while they're doing that at the same time, making it to where the the concepts and the forethoughts that are actually winning look like they're losing. Um, And with that, Tara just joined in on the conversation. So let's uh, give her a moment to to speak her mind. I didn't even have questions all the time, but I just wanted to say too, to what you guys were just talking about with school. Oh no. Um, it's not important. If you, if it's breaking up. You, you sound good now. Go ahead. Uh oh, we lost her again. Homeschoolers. I'll just put it in the chat. <laughs> All right. <laughs> we'll read it from the chat. Bless her, or we got to buy her an antenna. <laughs> I hate I heard that something too, about she's awesome. I like to hear her talk. She was saying something about homeschoolers or something. Yeah, I think she has um, a couple of children that she homeschools, uh, if, I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Hey. All right, well, now Brian just raised his hand, so he probably has something to say. Yeah, JC, uh, I don't know, you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Okay, there's something I wanted to bring up that <clears throat> I've not heard anybody really talk about, and two points and I, I think these situations whether it is with you know um, George or whether it's with Atlanta or even with the whole lockdown and COVID stuff you know what I kind of see happening 
is how much control can be had over the people. And I kind of think about a cat. How a cat will play with a mouse. It'll bat it around and play with it for a while. You know what I mean? And normally end up kind of beating it to death. And <clears throat> when people are going through a very serious situation, you know what? We are going through a thing here that is going to be a big blip in history. Okay? We need to realize what we are experiencing. This is an extremely important time to live. Okay? And when you're going through something like this, who do you want to talk to? Whose words would you want to listen to? Myself, I would prefer to go find somebody that's 100, 105 years old, some old man, yep. some old woman, and sit down and say, remember what happened in the 30s? What was going through you guys' mind? What do you see today? How, how are you observing this today? Well, what have they done today? Well, today... People don't have grandma and grandpa in the home. We put them all in the nursing home. Well, what are the nursing homes right now? I've talked to many, many people across the country. The nursing homes are all locked down. You can't go visit grandma and grandpa. In fact, grandma and grandpa can't even eat with other people inside that nursing home. They get their food taken to their room. They are locked in their rooms. They are going through mental anguish right now. And those are the people that could help lead us and point us as to what's really going on, and they are being isolated from us. I'll yield with that. Well, Sarah did end up posting up in the chat that uh, she has been homeschooling her children for eight years and just waiting to see changes relating to COVID, which will cause a mass exodus from public schools as another reason to get super involved in regulating homeschooling laws. I see that completely. It's happening here. I mean, our area, right before the COVID deal, they were fighting on a 40-year tax hike to pay for a brand-new school because it had a big wisdom match between the city next door. And it just... You know, everybody wants everything glorified right here and right now, and they don't understand the purpose of it. I mean, with the onset of technology and the way it's going, as fast as things are hitting everybody now, history's just just like what the older gentleman said a minute ago, just a blip in our in in our in our time. You know, we I, we can look back on on those of our lifetimes that that we that we did have time with that were elder and educated us. And man, those great grandmas and grandpas and stuff, some of the stories they told. Hey, I'll I'll tell you. Hi, Brian, by the way. I agree 100% with that. It's kind of funny because I was talking to Didi about that. I'm like, you're seeing, you're going through a time right now. It's like happens every 150 100, 150 to 200 years. I mean, like this is, I said, look what they're doing. They're taking the statues down. They're removing TV shows. They're, I mean, they're eradicating history. And you've got this generation, you know, these generations of people that are dying off with all this firsthand knowledge of stuff. You know, some of the craziness my daughter comes to me with, she has no idea, and we, you know, we lived it. And she, to her, it's as foreign as anything. 
And uh, I agree with him, man. I mean, they're separating everybody. They're liquidating, I think, the older generation to begin with, and they're rewriting history. And on the other side of this, what happens when the 40s and 50s, people in their 40s and 50s die off? Can you imagine? They'll have no idea. Well, I mean, I think that, you know, the pendulum of history swings kind of back and forth. And, you know, I I agree with the things that Brian was talking about, because even when this thing got kicked off, what were they talking about? Why it was so bad in Italy is because people in Italy still live in multi-generational homes, homes where you have grandchildren living with the grandparents and the parents. And um, but kind of going back to the whole uh, pendulum of history and how it swings, you look back through history and, you know, government and basically kind of the purpose of government is to absorb more and more power. And governments have always done that until their public stops them and takes that power back. And especially in the Anglo-Saxon history, I mean, you look at uh, what happened with William Wallace. William Wallace was within 100 years of uh, the Magna Carta, you know. So within 100 years, people had basically gone from, from fighting the government, the power establishment, getting all of their rights back. Uh, Shaman and I were talking about this the other day, and, you know, technically the Magna Carta was null and void, um, because King John signed it under duress. And even though that's true, as soon as Henry the second or third came into power, uh, you know, he basically told everybody that he was going to uphold the words of the Magna Carta. And the reason he did this was not because he was noble or anything like that. It was basically because King John died from dysentery because nobody could throw the feces over the castle wall and fear that they would get shot or hit with projectiles. And and he probably learned from that and said, "Eh, I probably don't want to do that. And he was only, I think he was like nine or 10 years old when, when he came into power after King John died. But again, within a hundred years, it had basically reversed back to, to where people started revolting to get their rights back again. Hundred years ago. I, I, mean, I think it's a. I think it's a little different now, though. I worry, in a very lighthearted kind of way, but it concerns me for my daughter definitely. The level of technology they've got now, and the level of technology that they're going to have in ten years if we make it that long. Um. You know, by that time I'll be closing in on my "I'm too old to fight" kind of stage. And it's really going to be up to her and her generation. Um, you know, this kind of technocracy is going to be pretty freaking absolute, man. I mean, you think about it, there's got to be a tipping point where there's just so much water in the, you know, you're just so deep in the ocean, there's so much water above you, you just can't make it to air again. COVID polluted it even more. They They handed out... Those that didn't, the whole rural internet expansion, the whole, like in our area with the with the power board taking over and distributing the cable, and then all of a sudden we have, oh, 
we're kicking everybody out of school, but we're going to give those who don't have internet, we're going to give you free internet for a while, and we're going to give you a laptop for school and, and you know, iPad. And they did that. Well, one thing with uh, talking about technology and how everything's expanding and the internet's expanding and they're rolling out 5G kind of because when everybody was on lockdown, they started rolling out 5G a lot faster. And here's the thing is that all of the things that we used to fight over, like everybody can kind of agree that the United States has, has put on wars for, for oil at least since the Nixon shock of 1971 and definitely before that when you start thinking about the CIA overthrows it, throwing Mosaddegh in um, 1953 but uh, you know so I'm just going to use that one resource today we can basically simulate the 200 million year process that it took the earth to make oil in four days we have the technology to do that and it's really about political will and knowledge and education as to if we're going to do that or not because instead of using that technology people like bill gates are spending billions of dollars on carbon engineering you know instead of using technology where we can use bioalgae to take carbon dioxide out of the air and create oil within four days through a scientific process we're putting more chemicals in the air to take the carbon dioxide out of the air and then engineering it into specific hydrocarbons. Um, it, it's absolutely insane. And the reason they're doing that is because it's an expensive process and it's going to um, make the resources limited and scarce again. And I was watching a video right before the show started this evening and they were talking about you know, if they can make everybody go inside and lock themselves up for two months because of the COVID and because of health issues, well, what about, you know, the climate issue? Because that's an existential threat. That's a threat to all of humanity and not just the elderly or, you know, pre-existing conditions or this or that. And what they're doing is they're conditioning people to be told what to do. And, you know, basically, if you don't do these things that society is telling you you have to do, then obviously you're a piece of crap and you don't wish for society to keep going and make it into the next generation that's going to go into space and travel the universe and become all Star Trekky. And uh, I, I think that's some pretty interesting things because, you know, of course, people on the right have kind of been talking about that for years. Hey, Star uh, Trek. Hey, on a, on another, just something off topic. Guess who sent a uh, request to join um, common law shamanism? Carl Lentz. No, <laughs> almost as good. National <laughs> Liberty Alliance. The National Liberty Alliance. Remember I told you about them? Yeah, you let them in, right? Not yet. They only asked 10 minutes ago. They have 9,000 members. They're Are basically... They I, I, uh, well, no, I don't... Well, I mean, maybe. They, uh, they're the ones fight, fighting for the common law grand juries, and they had this guy. I'm trying to remember his name. John Drash. 
That's his name. He uh, was writing writes of mandamus and this and that. We're going to get this and we're going to do that. And by gosh, turns out he's an attorney and that's not even his real name. And uh, he's, I mean, he's teaching, he's getting people off point, man. I mean, it's not good. But I think it's interesting that that would give 9,100 people access to that page with a single click. Oh, we're going to do some psychology on it. And we're up to 700 members now. Like, it's not, I mean, there isn't a lot of interaction. There needs to be, but everybody's off topic right now because of the world going nuts. Well, maybe it'd be a good language. Thing. Anyway, language, 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 language. What's the original language? What is natural law? I mean, you know, you drop a brick on your foot and it's gonna hurt. You're screaming all the time. Language, you know, the contracts, the the people, the person, the you, the you know, it's the I mean, look at all the look at the all the dictionaries out there that are used. Hell our judicial system uses a totally different dictionary than the one in any language we're taught at school. You know, dictionaries now a word can have five terms definitions to it. And, and there's no, like, speaking with fact, per se. Yeah, go, go to the Webster's 1828 and look up the word common and see how many definitions there are to it. And even though the Judicial Society has their own dictionaries, it's, it's probably not the ones that you're thinking of. They, they basically use etymology dictionaries the original meaning of words because if they didn't use etymological dictionaries then case law 400 years ago wouldn't mean the same thing is that not a big part of the issue that's going on in which way i mean philip k dick who was a science fiction writer once wrote a statement something to the effect of if you wish to control civilization go down and corrupt their language because uh, if you the people will be a lot easier to control if they don't know what they speak if they don't understand what they're saying did webster's was he not was webster not quoted saying one of his greatest accomplishments was the corruption of the english language I don't know for fact. I've not seen that. I heard that once. Yeah, I mean, and I'll say that there are words, you know, there are words in Webster's Dictionary that I won't take uh, Noah Webster's definition for. For instance, attorney is one of them. Um, and uh, there, there are a couple of other words. I can't think of any right off the top of my head about as quickly as that one. But you know, by the time Noah Webster wrote the 1828, there are definitely words that were already corrupted. Um, and if you go back to earlier dictionaries, uh, you're going to get different interpretations. But again, it's like dictionaries are basically how 
you would describe a word. Um, you know, how would you describe what a chord is? Just out of curiosity. I have to say, it's a ship. You walk through them gates and you're in admiralty. I mean, you're on a boat. You go, I, I, that's how I envision it because of how I've been educated. I mean, I see a freaking pirate sitting up there with his little clergy behind him. But to the average uneducated person, I, I don't know. I, I really can't answer that. Or just a, a room in a building that, you know, somebody tells you what to do and usually issues you some sort of fine. Well, you want to know what the, the original first court was? It was a yard. You know, when, you, when like you're that. actually talking about a court as a place, it was a yard. You know, it, it was a courtyard. It was a place where people would come together. Basketball court, tennis court. There you go. A, a place where games are played. <laughs> Still going on today. <laughs> how wild. So how do they, it just a, I don't know if you want to take time to try to answer this, but out of curiosity, how did they take a court and throw in a ship? Well, because here's how that occurred. Um, basically, courts would follow around emperors, rulers, uh, and and basically the sovereign of a of a society or of an empire. And so when one empire was trading with another empire and there was some type of dispute, they would hold court on the ship. You know, which obviously developed into the maritime mercantile law. The Code of Habarabi. Second time I've heard that today. So, but it, but it was basically like that was kind of the neutral place to go for somebody who wasn't on their home court, so to speak. And, um, you know, they, they would feel safe on their ship and uh, you know, that's where they would hold court because that's where they would gather when they're at sea. Any other questions? I like questions. Anyone else have a question? If anybody has a question, you can just raise your hand. Why do zebras have stripes? Uh, because they're racist. <laughs> Those sons of mothers. Are they black or are they white? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they're racy. Did you guys see all the um, all the headlines about the Great Reset in the past week? Prince Ch Prince Charles and the World Economic Forum talking about that. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, man. I'm gonna I was put, agreeing with you. I saw it. Yeah, I'm just I'm gonna put up a link in the chat for a, a blog post that I found pretty interesting. Um 
about the World Economic Forum, when that was started, and some of the people that were involved. Go ahead, Sean. Hey, real quick. Sorry, man. I I just got excited because I remembered something I was meant to say about 30 minutes ago when I was talking about them letting – John and I talked about this today – them letting the fabric of local governments kind of decay. Dude, yeah. if I was st- if I was still a police officer, I would quit. Because <laughs> here's what I'm seeing from that perspective: they are hanging you out if you fart in the wind wrong. They're not going to have your back, and you're liable to go to prison. There ain't no way in hell I would do that for twenty five thousand, thirty thousand dollars a year. It's already happening. Well, in fact, and a I lot just, of police officers are quitting. Well, that's what I'm saying. There's going to be a mass exodus, and then what are they going to get? They're going to have to go down on the Richter scale. I'm telling you, it's setting, it is setting up. There's so much lawlessness, man. It's, it's just My it's insane. actually across the street was a city police officer two years ago and quit before all this occurred because it was already starting to get elevated. And she said exactly what you just stated, Sean. Yeah, there's going to be a mass exodus, man. I see that. And then they're going to have to get people who aren't even as qualified as the ones they got now. And then that's just going to make it worse. I mean, isn't that what we're seeing, though? A a failing system, uh, you know, the system itself is failing and... uh, and um, you know, people are people are going to be leaving. <laughs> they are. I mean, and people are. We're fed up with it, you know. I mean, and as it's collapsing, I guess that's just what we're witnessing. You know, we're just witnessing the collapse of of the system itself. Kind of what we were, you know, what you were explaining oh, yeah. in the beginning, the beginning of the show, Sean. You guys were talking about all of the issues that surround that that situation in Atlanta and I mean there's problems on all sides of it really and it's because of you know the systemic um, rot that's that's um, you know based on the fact that people don't know their rights and you know they can't think straight they have all of this propaganda put in front of them and um, you know it's hard to it's hard to see the, the truth through it all. Well, yeah, I, I mean, purpose. I mean, think about how we struggle to a degree, you know, and that's on varying levels for all of us, right? And that's people who actually kind of woke up that something was really wrong or something maybe wasn't what we thought, and we're all on our own journey trying to figure out the truth and try to grow in knowledge and honor, which is, you know, it's a struggle. Can you imagine people? You know, I was talking to Dee Dee the other night. She was sitting on the couch, and I sat there, and I was talking to her about something, and I was going off on it, and then I just stopped talking for a second, and I looked at her and said, you know, if you didn't know me, you would think I was out of my mind. Like, if you didn't know anything about the stuff I'm talking about, and you didn't know me as a person, you would think I was batshit crazy. Like, I had to stop and think about that. And some of the stuff we know or believe we know, dude, is out of this world to people who have, they are oblivious, zero oh, yeah. clue. 
Zero. Oh, yeah, they're it. not even aware. They're not even aware. They're barely aware they're in a field, let alone with a fence around it. They've always got their heads down, chewing the cud. You never, you know, hey, you can't Simon, see a predator coming. Yeah. Just so you know, I do know you, and I still think you're crazy. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> 509 had their hand up a minute ago, and I unmuted them. I so, used to uh, hide maybe they have a Walmart. question or something. Hi, good evening. I have, yeah, I have four questions. So, uh -oh. um, <laughs> the first question, yeah, the first question is like the difference between the common law of the administrative court, for instance, family or traffic court, and the common law of natural rights, where both parties are required to swear in. Um, well, the common law of the administrative courts are basically what whatever they decide. There, there's not really any true law in administrative courts. Anytime that you're in an administrative court, it's a discretionary court. It's not a court of law. There's law in that court, though, that's common to them, right? Uh, no, it, it's all administrative. It's basically whatever they, whatever the discretion is whatever discretion they have at the time they're hearing Good whatever day. they're hearing uh whoever's sitting up in the judiciary judicial seat of that courtroom sometimes there's just a whatever man elected. or woman sitting up there yeah like i used to work for a guy that he was a judicial judge i mean he like worked like night court a couple nights a week Hey, uh, so, so there's no there's no law going on there. What was that again? There's no. Well, it's not technically law. It's codes and statutes, and statutes and codes are under color of law. It's not it's not real law. Like the the sun rising is a law. Gravity is a law. It's unchanged. But it's not a natural like, law. Right. Yeah, there's no but, natural but law in there. It's okay. even different from that because even though they're supposed to follow codes and statutes and this and that, it's still discretionary for them. You know, they, they don't have to. It's really whatever their discretion is. Whereas when you're in a court of law, the law is immutable. So, so there's no discretion once the facts are found. Okay, I don't, I don't really fully get that, but that's okay. Um, I think it's, it's the difference between an Article One court and an Article Three court. Okay, an Article Three court is a court of law. An Article Three court is a court where a real judicial officer is in there. An Article One court looks identical to an Article Three court, except for how it moves. And in an Article One court, they don't have to follow law at all. It's completely up to their discretion. Right, and it's up to the individual to it's up to the individual to to try to evoke to their best ability to stay in Article Three. Right, JC. Yeah, I mean, as long as you're moving properly, like every state constitution says that you have the right to due process of law. No state constitution, the federal constitution, does not say that you have the right to due process of administrative procedure. It's nowhere. Okay. Okay. So what was your I mean, next I mean, question? Okay. Um, 
Why do we use the phrase common law if it's so confusing and what other phrase would be better to use? Um, natural law is probably pretty good and uh, common law basically the the phrase common law comes from England and it's basically because it was for the common man or the common woman it was for the common individual rather than only the nobility operating the law which is what happened in most of Europe. God's law, sunrises, sunsets. So I have a question. So like the nobility running, you know, like how you said the nobility versus the common man and woman. So is the nobility, is that like in the Article 1 court? Um, no, nobility would... Uh, would operate off of the law of sovereigns. It would operate off so what? No, the nobility would operate under the law of sovereigns. Um, you know, they wouldn't hand. Sovereign. Yeah, they wouldn't hand over. The only way that a nobility would be in an Article One court is because it's the king's court. Like the king would 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 rule over his own court. Okay. Okay. But if the, if the king had a problem with anyone else outside of um, someone under his dominion, then they would have to go to a court of law um, and move under the law of sovereigns. So, like, if the king of um, England had a problem with the king of France and they were going to settle it in court instead of on a battlefield, then they would uh, be moving under the law of sovereigns. Okay. And they'd probably get all of their cousins and nephews and aunts and nieces to come and judge it. Okay. <laughs> so 509, did, did, you, did that answer your question or did that paint a picture for you to, um, to see a little bit better about those terms? Um, I'm getting a little bit more clarity, but it's still like, it, it's kind of like, uh, I get a little clarity on something else and then, you know, open up to like Article 1 and Article 3 and then there's a whole bunch more confusion. So, um, right. yes and no. <laughs> I mean, it just, and I think that's how learning goes. I mean, when you're learning something new. Um, so the, the next question is why the phrase common law can be applied to any court, even civil courts? Um, I don't understand the question. I, I mean, I, I don't understand exactly how you're meaning it. Well, I'm not sure either. JD, can you help? <laughs> um, repeat it. I think we were so, talking about how, how something is com is common to a court itself and not in the sense of common law and in the realm of natural law, but common to what they do there every day. So um, that's how I would, I guess, answer that. Um, you know, it, what's common to the administrative court is what they do there all the time. And because I think a lot of times, uh, I've heard people answer my questions about common law, and they say, "Well, everything is common law. Every every court is 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 common law, you know." And 
that's how I hear them answering that in in a, in in a real respect is they're they're answering it saying that they're really saying that all courts are common like to what they do there every day. Um, okay, let let me let me go at this a little bit different of a way, uh, kind of the way that JD described it and. Um, I'm not necessarily saying that I disagree because that is their common law, but, uh, you know, it's kind of one of the things he brought up earlier is that uh, your actions, your actions can hold them in law. Every court in the United States, uh, whether it's traffic court, magistrate court, uh, district court, superior court, circuit court, co uh, the court of common pleas, um, you know, every court is a court of common law. They, they all move under common law principles that have been well established for at the very least over 800 years, but I would say more like over 2000 years. And um, the thing is, is that they don't have to operate that way. When you go in there, if you allow them to proceed um, under codes and statutes and administrative procedure, then they can effectively do that without breaking the law. If you hold them to your due process rights, then they can't necessarily move around that. And for instance, just to give you an example of one of your due process rights, uh, you have the right to face your accuser. You've had this right since time immemorial. Uh, Christ talks about this right in the Bible numerous times. So you have the right to face your accuser. Now, when you get arrested, most of the time, you get arrested by one officer, and it's your word against theirs. And even at the time of the Magna Carta, it was Article 38 basically saying that no bailiff could arrest anybody without another credible witness. Okay, which means that nobody who worked for the government could go out and arrest somebody without a member of the public being a credible witness with good standing of the public that would come into court and testify to whatever the officer was claiming that they were doing. And um, when an officer arrests you, they're not a, an accuser, they're a witness. And every judicial officer all across the United States understands this, okay? But when you go in there and you ask for the accuser and the judicial officer says, uh, well, the officer made an allegation against you, if you just go ahead and start proceeding, then they can keep proceeding. And it's not against the law because at that point you're consent consenting or acquiescing. And if you are consenting, it's probably through tactic, implied, or overt consent. So, I mean, I, um, I, I, I follow that to, I mean, I understand what you're saying in regard to like, <clears throat> basically they have, the system is set up because we don't understand the language um, that, that I could, I could go in there and say like, I, that, that I want um, to face my accuser, but that wouldn't be possible because the officer is the witness, correct? Yeah. And so... Well, it is possible. It's, it's possible for you to do that, and you should do that, because as soon as you do do that, they can't produce the accuser because there is no accuser. Right. So you I understand... Why the accuser? I, 
I understand that because it's been explained like right now, but yep. it's so, there's so many scenarios, I guess, different scenarios that, and, and like, okay, just, so even as we're talking here, I don't even know how many different courts there are. I mean, I, I we're, the question included civil courts, and then we have Article One court and Article Three courts. So, like, the question in my head goes like, how many courts are there? Uh, there there's an infinite number of courts. I, okay. I mean, one thing is like in common law, every man and every woman has their own court, and in fact. Um, when you go and look up, uh, I'm actually going to look it up real quick, but when you go and look up um, the Magna Carta, what, what you'll find is where it says, uh, where it says the thing about holding to their own law. Let me get it right here. Um, no bailiff for the future shall upon his own unsupported complaint put anyone to his law, the bailiff's law, without credible witnesses brought before this uh, for this purpose. And so whenever, and this is how the common law kind of worked, and I'm sure that you've heard people talk about, you know, the common law is, is the law that's common to you, right? Like, have you ever heard somebody say that? No, not this really I haven't paid any attention to law until now so I'm no no I that I haven't really heard that before I mean maybe a little bit in this circle but um I don't I didn't fully grasp it okay so before they started you know around the beginning of the 20th century before they really started codifying the common law and they really started in 1865 right after the uh, civil war um, they started all across the united states they started codifying the common law making civil rules of, of procedure um, but before that basically what would happen is the courthouses were were open to the public and anybody could go down there and swear out a declaration which would be a claim of some type of wrong now when you're swearing out the declaration in that declaration you're basically putting your law in there so let's say jd punched me in the face and i you know went down there instead of just getting into a fight with them at the bar i went down to the courthouse and said jd punched me in the face my face hurts i had to get the doctor to stitch it up and that costs you know an ounce and a half of silver and then i'm gonna have to live with this thing on my face for the next two weeks i declare that jd for for striking me in the face owes me you know 12 ounces of silver that is my law that's the law that okay. i am charging jd with now once JD answers and is summons to the court, then we would convene a jury and the jury would decide whether my law was good, whether it was not good, whether JD was, was culpable, whether he, he committed what I was accusing him of, whether he didn't commit what I was accusing him of. If he did commit what I was accusing him of, but they thought that my law was no good, they might have said, well, 12 ounces of silver is too much, so we're the jury and we're gonna give you five ounces of silver. So, so I practiced this thing a while ago. It was called restorative circle, and it was um, where you actually, um, it, and it's a restorative justice practice. 
and it's where you you could go in and you're you're really helping people like learn um, to hear what each other is saying, like mutual understanding, and then actually what happens once mutual understanding occurs is like and and as many people that were affected can be included into the circle and then once mutual understanding takes place like there's this organic um i think natural law probably you could use that that um self-responsibility wants to occur because once someone's been understood then like this organic and I'm not saying that this works with like narcissistic people or psychopathic people, but like normal people, um, like they, they want to take responsibility and then, then they come up with these solutions. Like what I'm hearing you say, you know, your law of JD owes you, you know, um, so basically you come up with that plan and you write it on paper. It's, it's very doable steps. And then you come back at, after a post circle and see if that was effective. So, that's what I'm hearing when you're saying that. And that is the common law of that group that you're participating in. And but it sounds like the what same you described is, is a process of holding court. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it sounded like That's the like court that y'all have for each other. Okay. But it's, I, well, I guess it, it just, I wasn't even thinking about that until you brought that up, but that sounded like that same process. Yeah, it's kind of like in, in Jewish temple. Um, in Jewish temple, if you have the, a problem with someone else who goes to Jewish temple and you you go to court instead of taking it to the Jewish temple first and going through the, a kind of process like you were talking about, they'll actually kick you out of temple you know, because they find that disrespectful because um, basically you're taking it to another society when you should handle it within your own society. Okay. Scientology okay, so, does that too. Scientology yeah. does that as well. So coming back to like these, these like organic, pro I don't even know what to call them. Like how did we how did we get to the the state court and the federal court systems? I mean, I didn't ever consent to them. I mean, I was just born into the, to, to this, right? I, I guess I'm just no. Technically, technically you've con technically you've consented. You just didn't understand what you were doing. Yeah, it's it's kind of a tricky thing because it gets people pissed. Mm -hmm. But it's like when when I came out of my fog, I had to kind of when it when I had my moment, I had to kind of think about all the stuff I did that was incorrect. I wouldn't say it was necessarily wrong, but like how incorrect I had been. You know what I'm saying? Not really. I mean, no, I don't, I don't understand what you're saying. When Incorrect. You're born, when you're born and as a parent, so to say, 
your child comes out of you and after that you're pretty much handed a packet of paperwork and really without knowing or being explained in full detail what you're signing that child up for in the contract. Right, you're just doing what you think you're supposed to be doing. Sorry, I hit my mute button. Hold on, Chris, can I finish telling her my thought before I lose it? (laughs) Sorry, I accidentally hit my mute button. It's kind of a tricky thing because technically we're supposed to be kind of good stewards with our lives. And we get, we're playing video games, we're going to concerts, which are all fun. And we're doing all these things and men have men caves instead of a library. It's still up to us to be informed. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it comes back to we consent through our actions or inactions. Like everything we do, it's kind of a cause and effect. It's it's always for everything you do, there's a consequence, you know, unfortunately, whether it's good or bad. And it's all of us. Yeah, it's all of us, right? So now you're waking up, and the more you wake up, you're going to go, shit. Like, man, dude, I never thought of that, or I never looked at it like that. And at some point, it just resonates where you just realize, okay, there's a lot of trickery, but I'm a part of the problem. And it, it always comes down to the man or woman in the mirror, you know. We're, we're, we're both our own problem and our own solution. So we do consent. Um, okay, so like and, I – yeah. I'm hearing what you're saying, and then I'm in agreement of that. And and yet, then how how so so you're saying that I'm part of like let's say the policing issue, and how have I like I don't even know how to um, clean that up. You know what I mean? I don't even know where my responsibility is in that mess. Well. There was a a really smart dude who once stated, I don't know what I should do. I only know what I can do. That was Captain Kirk, by the way. Um, The truth is, is you're doing it. I mean, this is the first step to knowing how to solve that issue is by figuring out the first thing is, okay, something's different than what I thought it was. And then... It's who am I inside of this problem, and then what am I? Hold on a second. My daughter's got. Hold on. I got a bunch of that. My daughter's having a sleepover. I had, they keep shoving. They keep shoving me from room to room. Um, That's funny. I got kicked out. I'm outside now. So <laughs> anyway, I got I got a little sidetracked. What was I just saying? Hell, I couldn't even hear myself think. She's taking the steps right now, doing uh, doing what she's oh, doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To... yeah it's a, I mean, you got to figure out who you are first, and what what you believe really, based on new information. Then you can start putting that into practice, and it's like you're, you. The, I mean, every question you ask, every video you watch, every law book you read, you're you're moving one step closer to how do I solve this problem. Well, that's how you do it. It's through information. Put in and then putting that into action once you learn it. Where do you come from? What is your purpose? Learning who learning governs you. Yeah. Learning more about natural law and then putting putting that natural law 
knowledge into action in your own life and then sharing that knowledge with other people so so that you can show them how you did it or what you're doing so basically it's living in integrity and being an example in and and learning more nuances of of that integrity well and in a way i mean because i mean yeah. my head goes to like okay i do i do believe that there is a uh, um an issue with black men being um targeted or arrested more than white men and i, I think that's just a fact i mean i don't think can you I explain think that's that just um well there's certain statistics right where where actually there have been more black men but um at least it's been shown more i guess um that have been killed well, that's, what's by, being, that's what's being portrayed but that's not true okay but then okay just so let me finish and then you can then you can tell me right so the our our prison population right has more black men in in prison than white men and yet they're less of the population so let's just go let's start right with that one well no i don't want to do that because we're we're getting off topic um, i will we can do a show wait a minute no, no, I, I, i'm gonna okay, jump i was in. gonna answer i was gonna answer the original thing but go ahead i'm gonna jump in right here and it uh it has if you look at the real statistics and the real data and i'm not saying that um there's not some systemic racism in our society i'm just saying it's not nearly as bad as what it has been projected to be and one of the big things that you find when you really start looking into this stuff is that it doesn't matter as much about the color of your skin as it does your economic conditions um, okay. and they've, I mean, they've proven this kind of time and time again they've actually they had a program back in 1987 where they took people who uh, lived in section 8 housing and all they did was move them to a zip code that was a social class higher than what they were in the section 8 housing and um, they ended that program after about five years but now that's been about 30 years later all of the children growing up in those programs are doing substantially better than the people who grew up in the neighborhoods that they came from. Okay, so this is my, the, the point so much wasn't about the, the black men in prison. My, mm. my point is like, okay, so what you just spoke about, like how, how can, like how am I responsible for that, right? Like, well, how, you're that's not. my question. Yeah. <laughs> If in any way you're responsible well, for it, it's by participating. But in I heard you whole... say earlier, like I, I am the creator of the, like. Well, this is why I little... wanted to finish my thought instead of getting off on the black man thing. Because I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to be a jerk, but I'm sick of that argument. It's just not true. More black people kill more black people. I mean, look, I was a cop yes. for ten years. I saw the okay. stats all the time. So let's okay? get on that either. I'm not. Right. So here's what I'll say. Here's what I'm trying to explain to you, okay? Now watch. I'm going to, I'm going to do two things at once and show you three things. Like, that's why I asked you to qualify what you were saying. And, and perfect law is expressed, never implied, and it's never ambiguous. 
statements like Can you say that again? Fact, Can right? you say, could you just say perfect that again? Perfect laws always ex, perfect laws expressed, never implied. Is expressed. And there's no ambiguity. Yeah, there's no okay. there's no ambiguity. Like there's no it, it can't be a law if there's ambiguity to it. Like it's not it's not a fact. It's a I okay. think or maybe. Okay. okay. So I'm following So let yeah, me show okay. you how now let me show you how you're, how people can be a part of the problem and not even realize it. As a matter of fact, I just had this conversation with the other guy on the phone today in reference to people kneeling, which pisses me off, by the way. But um, made me mad, too. If, if, if you, when you, okay, don't, just make up a fake, do you believe you live in a county? Well, supposedly, I, I live in the city. Okay, so you live in the city. Now I'll show you. So in front of your house, when they pave the road in front of your house or your apartment, do they pave your driveway? No. Why don't they do that? Because it's supposed to be private property. That's right. You don't live in the city. You live near the city. Oh. That's how important knowing one thing can change the dynamics of your life and the way you approach it. And what you just saw was venue versus jurisdiction. This is why police have to have a warrant to come on your property. What is is it? You said something before jurisdiction. Venue. Venue Venue. is a location. Jurisdiction means control. So we're all on the earth, but you have exclusive jurisdiction on your property because it's private, right? Yeah. So, so I'll show you how we put into practice everything you heard tonight. You have your house. It's your private property. You are literally the queen of that property, and you write your own laws every day about how you clean it, where you st- store things, whether you can play ball in the house or whether you can't. When you go into the yard, here's your parameters. Here's my border. Um, you probably have a, a firearm or some type of something to protect yourself. Now you have an arsenal. You see how you have your own kingdom? That's why they have a castle doctrine, and that's why they have a domestic authority doctrine, because <clears throat> they recognize property and they recognize sovereignty, sovereign rights of man, okay? So what I just showed you and John told you and everybody you listened to with J.D. and all them, you put it into practice, they can't come on your land without jurisdiction. Now, you can do that by committing a crime or by giving consent in another way expressed. Now, so, if like contract, no... so, like, so if contract tracers came to my door and I, mm-hmm. I told them to get off my private property, mm-hmm. they would have to get off, correct? Maybe. Or could, Maybe. Depends on what angle they... you're coming at. And that's why – go ahead. Go ahead. Well, what if they said, well, we have, like, this health code or we have a health law that mm-hmm. says you have to – we, ha- we can be here, uh, and I say, you have no, you know, I haven't given you consent to be on my property. Right. Ask them if they have a that. warrant. Yeah, you can you. do that. You, he says if they, that's where they would have to have the warrant. But now there's a catch to that. Okay, and I'll show you the catch, and this is the problem. Um, when you consent... Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna make some presumptions, but I'm not making assumptions. Okay, so I presume you probably have a job, 
a driver's license, a car, insurance, tags on the car, and all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. Social security number, they take out taxes, you pay taxes. Okay. Now, that all seems very, very lawful and right because of what you've been trained your whole life. But if you vote and you're doing all those things, what you're doing is you're acting as a citizen. When you act as a citizen, you now reside abroad, okay? And they technically have jurisdiction over you. They, They technically have jurisdiction over you. Now, you could argue they have to have a warrant, and I agree with that if you're on the law side. But just like in court, cops can use discretionary power if, and in decisions. They can, it's a thin line, but they have no-knock raids. They have all kinds of things that they can do, uh, welfare checks, um, search incident to arrest, inventory tow slips for your vehicle. Oh, we're not going to search your car. What we're going to do is, since we're putting you in jail, is we have to inventory everything in it because we're liable. If anything gets stolen and it's not on this list, we've got to pay you for it. They can, they can maneuver, okay? But one thing they, they technically, I mean, they can always override law. But if you're on the law side, there's a whole set of different parameters and rules. On their side, not so much. And you really don't have any say because you're not technically a part of that. But so, so if you're utilizing their system, you're feeding the beast, you see, with your energy. Okay. So, so I we're hear all you. doing I, I that, t- right? Yeah. Well, so do I not I get a driver's license? And like, and well, that's drive without... Is... I mean, do you know you've got to make decisions. Yeah. Yeah, I do know, believe it or not. Are you capable of sustaining 100% on your own? Is your network of of people around you that, you know, do you have a congregation that grows their own food and can self-sustain and pretty much pop well, that's off going the probably That's probably going a little further than she was meaning, but what it is is no, people I, have... No, so I don't have that support. First, well, yeah, I mean, and I can, But if I did have that support, I could do it. <laughs> Would you be willing to? Yeah. But well, there you go. I, I don't, yeah, okay. Well, I mean, there's, so that's I mean, what there's it, the answer. Okay. So then, then I have a question, and I'll be done Sorry, after this. Chris. So can I, can I say one thing? Can I say one thing? Since we, we had the black man in there, if we look all the way back into civil rights, we, at one time, this entire race that was called black was set free. You're free now. Yeah. There's been a war fought over you. Documents, been, y'all are free. You can do what you please. You can live as you please. However, if you sign this and come over here back on our side and vote, well, we'll let you be a citizen. So, you know, and it goes a lot deeper than, than even that. So, so once I mean, you've done that, yeah. Right. Once you've voted, like, and become a citizen, you're no longer a man. Just like the police officer, he he can't be the accuser. He can't be your accuser. He can only be your witness. Well, their contract and and pretty much yes, how it's as set a up police kind officer. Of like, kind of like as a, a police You know, when officer, we were talking yes. about that before. Yeah, I mean they're so, they're wearing a title, so they're not acting in the capacity of a man at that time. 
So you but can't now, go keep back in and mind, forth. This is, well, no, I can't go back hybrid to... because they're still, they are still bound by law. They're still no, liable. No, for me, like I'm talking about oh, me now. Okay. Like I can't go back and forth by being a citizen and a woman. I have to choose and then act accordingly, or I'm not in integrity. Is that what, what I'm hearing? I think that once you figure out the truth, it's our duty to work towards achieving that truth in its totality and not being hypocritical about it, yes. Okay. That was a, that was a huge time. light bulb. Thank you. It takes I time. Mean, it, it, it's, it, yeah, it's not – I mean, gosh, JD, JC and I have been at this for years, and we're still <laughs> – and it's because there is no support system for the most part, because the whole freaking planet, honestly, man, it's in a lot worse shape than people even understand. All I mean, it's they're they're so they're so enslaved in their minds that they're not even aware that there's a. They just think it's general problems. I mean, you watch news for a half hour and your freaking head wants to explode. I couldn't imagine staying in that world all the time. Okay, so Chris, I think Chris was talking, and he was talking about the Civil War. Is that correct? Yes. So, so the way I could actually help my, my you know, like, I, again, like the race is like, I hear you that we are, we are one, one, like we're human beings, and color isn't, doesn't, is it, it, just a divisive. Um, color comes divisive. from whatever... One. Color, color comes from whatever region your you, your DNA derived from, and it had to do with the the food sources in those regions. That's all that the color difference is. If you live up in a, if you take if you take a if you take a black man and a white woman and move them together to a cold region. The white DNA will survive better than the dark DNA will. It's okay. just natural. So, so but in the language of this, type. but in the language right. of this, right? So, like when we were ta- when I was talking about, like, you know, how can I how can I contribute to like um, the black community? Let's say that. So, really, how I can do that is by being free, by being more of a woman than a citizen. That's how I can help. Well, that- it's also teaching people that there's like there's there's consequences to beliefs and words, right? I mean, everybody runs around saying you're a racist, you're a racist, you're a racist, and there's only so if you say, well, wait a minute, we're not really racist because there's only one race. Okay, I just kind of put everybody in the same bucket, and then you start really pulling out hard numbers and start teaching people value and their rights, then they're able to start seeing who the liars are. Okay. They're going to start seeing, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. These guys are saying this means this, and I know for a fact that they have to have a warrant to come here. And it's like you start piecing these things together, like venue, jurisdiction, the difference between man and person or woman and person or what, what is a legal person versus just a welder person. Or You see what I'm saying? When you so start really figuring out their language. And lies instead of anything else. Yeah. Well, it's like what we always, like, if you went back to our original shows, like, what, what two and a half that? years ago, John, when we did our original shows, we used to teach, how does a banker, bank teller, they teach them how to recognize counterfeits by teaching, showing them the real 
thing so much oh. that they see the they see the counterfeit. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Because they've yeah. seen the real thing so many times. So if you know the truth and the truth of words and the truth of jurisdiction and the truth of what courts are and the truth of what they are, why they exist and the difference in the jurisdictions, you start, what you're doing is you're removing scales from your eyes and you're able to see things and now you can go. Like it was really cool talking to that dude today. Now I don't, I'm really not thinking of him in terms of black, but there's a reason I have to say he's a black man because it won't get the point across if I don't. But he had enough common sense because he was almost 70 that he remembers law better. And him and I had a wonderful conversation. No animosity, aware of the problems on both sides, and we had a cordial conversation, hugged at the end. And that's because truth was there to guide us, to keep us from going down the rabbit holes. It kind of acts like a filter. And then when people see that, and they see that harmony, and they see that genuineness and they're watching how it reflects that's when you really start you can make you can make a real difference man well thank you thank you guys for being patient with me because it's, no, no, um, no, it's, it's a fun. lot it's a lot Welcome to, to take in. <laughs> yeah well thank you so much i'm going to get off now um but thanks again thank well, you thanks for coming out and asking questions and uh, the show wouldn't be anything without participation from from the people who listen. So we we appreciate it greatly. And with that, it's it's becoming time to uh, to bring the show to the end. And we will be back here next week on June twenty fourth, I believe. It's June twenty fourth. So 9 p.m. is is when we start, and we hope that everybody comes out and joins us again. And I'm just going to leave it open for a few minutes if anybody wishes to talk before the show ends. Uh, If Money Mike wants to, he can raise his hand and join the conversation. I don't know if he wants to. Sleep. Who? Money Mike? Guy <laughs> he unmuted. Oh, I didn't unmute him. I just said if he raised his hand I would. Oh. <clears throat> I'm going to bed too. Night, guys. Gals. Night, Chris. I keep hitting my mute button. Yeah, I think Chris already jumped off. Yeah. Oh. All right. Well, well thanks, guys. everybody. Thanks, John. I'll talk yeah, to you guys. It was good, guys. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Yeah, you too, yeah, man. Yeah, thanks for coming out, JD. Yep, you're Sh- welcome. Shaman was asking me earlier this afternoon if you were coming out. And Stan oh. stayed on longer than I thought he would. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, John, I'm going to give you a call. I got to give you a call real quick right after this. Take about two minutes. All right. All right. All right. Good night, everybody. See you guys later. Thanks, 509. Yeah, no doubt. All right, good night, everyone. Hopefully we'll see y'all all back here next week.
Yeah. Have a good one. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.